they're like a chicken nugget with eyes. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Natural Science Daily. First off, I want to apologize for not having an episode last week. You know, things happen. It didn't get done. But I am hoping I make up for it this week with a super exciting and very fun episode. I sit down with my good friend Chase Gagney and we talk insects. So yes, a little bit of a warning right now. We're going to talk bugs for about 45 minutes. So if you're not super into insects, I really hope you give this episode a chance because that was one of the points of sitting down with Chase is this is a topic that a lot of people, they get creeped out by insects and I can't always say blame them, but just to hear from someone that is so passionate about these organisms and about their research and their entire existence, I think that really makes a case for why you should care about insects. And it's funny, Chase is can make anything into a little bit of a joke and puns, lots of good puns in this episode if you like those too. So I hope you guys give it a chance, you sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. All right, hey everybody, I am here with Chase Gagney, an old friend of mine from college, and we are in Orono, Maine right now. It is dark, and there are peeper frogs that you may hear in the background, and we are sitting here around a moth trap. Uh, so, hi Chase, thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Excited to be by my moth trap. <laughs> we got a lord in. So, do you want to explain to the uh, audience what this moth trap is for and kind of describe what it is okay so the moth trap is for moths and other nocturnal bugs um i just kind of like seeing what's in the area and collecting bugs is my main hobby um so what it is it's a you know a classic plastic tote you can pick up in any home goods store um and it's filled with egg cartons and there's a hole cut in the top and there's a funnel in the hole um and i have my battery inside of the tote and um on top of it sits three acrylic planes uh, panes that are um you know they're held together by bungee cords and cut pvc pipe and the uv light is a rod light that's stuck in the middle of it and the reason why I have egg cartons, by the way, in the tote is so that when moths fall into the tote, um, they usually kind of, you know, they're trapped. So they're freaking out a little bit. And if egg cartons are in there, they feel safe. Um, they feel calm. So they don't flap their wings as much, as much and they keep their scales on. And it, they're way easier to identify and they're a lot prettier because they have all their color. Um, so, yeah, I built this thing uh, probably in like... 2016 so a lot of moons ago and um like last year i thought that it was too beat up to use but he used it anyway and this year uh i'm saying the same thing this is the first time i've used it this season <laughs> and it's really beat up but i'm probably just gonna stick with it it's like 90 percent packing tape at this point because that was <laughs> the only tape i had on hand to hold it together so it's got a lot of character yeah yeah it definitely has a lot of character it has a lot of miles on it i usually I'll take it out like I don't know 30 35 times per summer wow um yeah really any remotely warm day or night um especially moonless nights like this one the the moon is barely oh, there in hot. it's oh nice oh sweet he, he decided he didn't want it yeah oh yeah by the way it's I don't know what time it is it's 
Jack, right you got now. the time? So yeah, it's 8.30 right now. Um, the best time in the middle of the summer, I'll just, I'll just start getting right into it. Who yeah. knows? Um, <laughs> the best time if you want to trap for moths, um, it's usually at least an hour after sunset, um, if not more. So in like the middle of summer, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is prime time for moths. Um, that's when the highest diversity is. Um, right now, because it's you know, it's late April in Maine. It's not really all that warm out. Um, tonight's going to be a warm night, but it's still going to be in the 40s. So um, kind of right now, like 8 o'clock to 10 is probably going to be your best diversity. And then after that, it just gets too cold. Mm -hmm. But So I I took an entomology class because Chase is my <laughs> TA. <laughs> and I took the class because bugs terrify me. <laughs> and I was trying to beat it. Um, we're kind of on the fence on if it worked. But I think, I think it worked. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a carrion beetle like probably like two feet from me right now, and I'm not freaking out. So like I count mm -hmm. that as a win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Come a long way. <laughs> but uh, so these moths that are coming in are a, adult moths, right? Mm -hmm. So do they hibernate in the winter, or do they just hatch and they just grow very quickly? Um, that really depends on the moth. Um, so a lot of the ones that are active right now. Um, either they overwintered as adults, so as moths, um, mm -hmm. they probably buried themselves in a leaf litter or underground or in a hole somewhere, um, and survived the winter as adults. And then when it got warm enough, they just, you know, hashed out and survived. That's what you can find a lot of moths in the middle of the winter that mm -hmm. do that. Um, but also the other more common way that moths survive the winter is they do it as pupa. Um, so if you think back to you know, when you were a kid raising monarch butterflies or something, um, you have the caterpillar and then it makes a chrysalis or a cocoon, um, hangs out in there for a little bit and then hatches out into a butterfly, um, or in this case, a moth. And in moths, it's never a chrysalis. It's always a cocoon, um, hmm. because there's silk involved. Um, chrysalis is chrys chrysali. I don't know the plural of that. <laughs> I can look that up. Um, those are never silk, um, but yeah, so moths will usually spend the winter as a pupa, um, usually in the leaf litter, or uh, under bark is another common area too. They kind of burrow under, you know, sheets of bark on a dead tree. Mm -hmm. And again, when it's warm enough out and they get enough um, degree days or enough kind of solar radiation or heat radiation um, to spur on growth, they'll hatch out into a moth nice. and survive that way. And adult moths usually live for a few days to maybe a week and a half, two weeks at the longest. Um, wow. Unless they're some of the moths that feed as adults, but that's actually really rare. Most oh. moths don't feed as adults. Wow. So. so do you think, like, the little guy that just, like, crash-landed, do you think he hatched this year? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah He's just so. a youngin'. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was probably, like, fresh out the cocoon today. Oh, my God. Oh. And he's already partying. Yeah. So... <laughs> 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 so you're trapping these moths for funsies mm -hmm. what are you going to do with them will you pin them and add them to your collection yeah yeah so um you know that's it's kind of what makes a lot of people squeamish about studying insects is you have to kill them you know mm -hmm. bugs are something that i love and another thing i love is killing them not for killing them but for studying them um with a lot of bugs the only way you can properly identify them is if they're dead mm -hmm. um if they're moving around it's impossible 
Yeah, there's um, like, wasn't it like some of the flies? It's like how many hairs are on like their side on this yeah. one panel. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch a drug deal go down? Nope, never mind. Maybe. Continue. It's happened. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun parking lot. I've been uh, talked to by cops when I've Oof. been bot trapping here before. There was, there. that's, I think that's one thing. Uh, if you're studying nocturnal uh, insects, you got to be ready for those. Chase, uh, not Chase, because I'm with Chase. Um, <laughs> Logan and I, one time for entomology, were trying to get some moths before, like, mm-hmm. like at towards the end of like entomology for our collections, and we had our nets and we had some flashlights and stuff, and we were just like running through the cornfield mm-hmm. at the school. Oh yeah. And a cop stopped us, and they're like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and I was like, "I have a bug net in my hand. We are looking for it's insects." Not a weapon. And he's like, so "You're not bugging the deer," and I was like, "No." no. And he was we're like, bugging, but not the deer. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, okay, fine, just don't bug the deer. And I was like, I'm bugging the deer. <laughs> so, yeah, I think no. people just get weirded out when people are in the dark. Yeah, but, yeah, so so I'll come back. Um, the reason, so a lot of people will moth trap with, like, a white sheet mm-hmm. put over a branch, and they have a UV light on the sheet, um, which that's great, but kind of a downfall for that is you have to sit there with it all night. So mm-hmm. I built my own moth trap you can look up just moth trap online it's actually a this is a common design for it mm-hmm. it's just you know on a budget because it's a plastic tote yeah um but yeah i'll come back in the morning i'll collect them with a kill jar which is just a like a mason jar with plaster of paris hardened on the bottom and ethyl acetate put into it um and that'll kill moths pretty quickly and so yeah i pin them i spread them make them all pretty um I identify them and label them and add them to my collection, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know how mo- many moths I have, but my collection's like 1,100 yeah, specimens a, right now, I think. You have a lengthy collection. I remember uh, we were hanging out at your place once, and I, <laughs> it was like when we'd just become friends, and I thought you had like a shoe thing because it was just like a bunch of black boxes in stacks, and I was like, oh my oh, god, yeah. maybe this man is just like obsessed <laughs> with shoes, and it was your insect collection. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's it's gotten a lot bigger That's since awesome. then. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, this this winter, all I did in my downtime was just identify flies. It was Funsies. A, it was amazing. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> you know, if I have a free Friday night, catch me in my room alone, drinking some sodas and yeah, you know, I I deem some bugs. <laughs> <laughs> the only kind of nights I'm trying to have. Everyone else in their twenties is out, you know, partying, and I'm looking at a microscope. <laughs> But you know, it's fun. It's a good time. <laughs> so, have you always been into insects, or how did no. you get into that? No, not at all. I hated bugs when I was little. I'm terrified of bugs, actually. I, yeah, bugs were not my thing when I was growing huh. up. Um, so, it was kind of... The most I would do with bugs is sometimes I would find, like, a spider and put it in a jar. Um, would routinely forget to cut air holes in it. Oh, and no. I would, like, leave it in the sun and stuff. Like, on accident, that was horrible. That was awful. Um... But or I would take like an entire freaking like um eastern tent caterpillar nest and put it in a hamster cage and like duct tape all the little holes so they couldn't escape and see if I could rear them out. I I probably reared out like two moths total <laughs> out of like the thousands of caterpillars I tried to rear. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was bad. My parents were fine with it because the tent caterpillars would decimate our maple trees. But, yeah. Um excuse me. And so yeah, it was kind of uh, when I was getting older, and I went to um, I went to UMaine for my undergrad, 
and I did wildlife ecology because then I was really into, you know, tropical diversity and I was thinking of like lemurs and stuff at that time. Wow. I was like, I want to go to Madagascar and be like a primatologist. That would be sweet. I love mammals. They're the best. And then I got to school and um, I was kind of on the fence of if I wanted to do mammals or fish. I liked both of those pretty equally. I wasn't really a big fan of birds because I'm just bad at IDing birds. Same. Um, I don't I don't know what it is. I can ID bugs by sight, but I can't do birds. It's weird. Feathers just throw me off. Once you hit but, warblers, it's just there's oh, nothing you, you're doing. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of, I wasn't really a huge fan of bugs. Oh, he's until, coming at me! Oh, oh yeah. He's on your arm. Wait, really? There's a moth on your arm. Oh my god, I'm the moth whisperer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, um, it wasn't until we did that May term course yeah. after our sophomore years um, that I was with Carla Boyd, who may or may not show up tonight. Um, she actually lives right down the street mm-hmm. from here, and she usually comes and hangs out. Um, but she was a year ahead of me, and at May term, I was looking for a project with Anthony Pollicky, and um, we decided, hey, let's team up with Carla and her friend because she was doing, like, a beetle diversity study with all the different forest types. Nice. And I was like, that's cool. That's diversity. That's all I want to learn is diversity. Um, so I did that and realized, hey, bugs happen to be the most diverse thing on the planet, mm-hmm. so I might as well start looking into them because I love taxonomy in general, too. Yep. Um, so that's kind of when it started, and then I taught at a camp that following summer that was really bug-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I learned how to pin bugs, how to, you know, light trap for moths and properly preserve an ID and yeah. uh, maintain a collection. Um, so it was really good timing for everything, too, and it was kind of, I mean, that all being said, I've really only been into bugs for, like, four or five years, yeah. I think. But it was kind of, a, kind of a recent thing in my life. I think it's cool how when you start wildlife you may have kind of an idea or some kind of thought on what you want to do but just through time so many people just kind of like not like the wand chooses the wizard harry but like kind of the wand chooses the wizard like i never thought i'd be a bird person and then it just kind of happened you just fall into it yeah sometimes it's just luck like you do one thing it's like hey man that's pretty cool let me do that again Mm -hmm. and then next thing you know you know you're Staying in on a Saturday night looking through a microscope. <laughs> 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 so when you finished your undergrad, mm-hmm. you went into grad school. Yes. How did you choose to go to grad school? Was there like a process or were you just like, I'm going to do this? <laughs> it's mostly I'm going to do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I finished my undergrad at UMaine and by that time I was super into bugs. I had taken aquatic entomology with Hamish Gregg, probably my my favorite class I had ever done and I did an honors thesis my senior year on um, aquatic insects in rock pools along the Penobscot River and so when I graduated when I was about to graduate my undergrad Hamish came up to me he just found me like on the sidewalk I was on my way to a class and he was like hey want to go to grad school (laughs) and so I mean at that time I was kind of you know like I wanted a job and kind of did you know, get out of Orono a little bit because I'd already been there for four years. But, I mean, Hamish was such a great advisor for right. me. Um, and a lot of his interests matched my interests. And also I was studying a system that had never been studied, so that was a huge draw to stay with that system. Um, so he offered me the position, and I thought about it for, I don't know, like an hour probably. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, decided to do it. And super happy I did. It okay. was it was great. So what is a rock pool for the listeners that don't know what a rock pool is oh yeah so a rock pool is 
a puddle that <laughs> that um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's it's different from other bodies of water is like literally the size of a puddle um they can also be bigger but i mean when you start calling things ponds and from a rock pool like that gets really muddy um and, literally yeah literally <laughs> so um, a rock pool is it's usually in a rock like typically granite or something mm-hmm. um they're really common in maine either on mountaintops or along rivers um where like rainwater collects in mm-hmm. rocks and they're not leaky so you don't have any water leaking out of this rock pool into a nearby river or um overflow or anything like that they're self-contained mm-hmm. um so that's kind of the definition of a rock pool it's a self-contained puddle surrounded by rock mm-hmm. um and so they're really common along the penobscot river here and i started looking at them literally because hamish was fishing at his house on a rock outcrop and said hey there are some mosquito larvae and a caddisfly larva in this puddle that i'm standing next to let's look at it yeah so that was my that was my undergrad thesis, and then I awesome. went more in-depth with my honors thesis. And by more in-depth, I basically just ID'd everything to lower levels. Okay. But, yeah. So, do you only find caddisflies and mosquitoes in a rock pool, or are there multiple types of species that you kind of find? Uh, yeah, there's actually a... So, it it's a lot more diversity than we thought originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we thought that it would mostly be mosquitoes and midges, Um which it, I mean, it totally was. It was like 95% mosquitoes and midges, mm-hmm. um, kind of a mix of biting midges, um, like noceums or punkies, okay. like the little tiny gnats that bite you, mm-hmm. um, or not black flies, but um, little gnats, um, or non-biting midges, which are like, you know, they're like mosquitoes, but smaller and have fluffier antennae, mm-hmm. and they don't bite. They're super nice. They're kind of my favorite group of insects all around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we also got some... You know, mayflies and caddisflies, a lot of beetles. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. A couple of bugs like water striders, um, other like water jumpers, water measurers. Um, basically, like any aquatic insect you yeah. can think of, we found some type of it in rock pools, um, which is really neat. I mean, these things are like, you know, they probably have the surface area of like a dinner plate and they right. might only be a couple inches deep. And they have this much diversity, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly midges and mosquitoes. A huge diversity of midges, but yeah. One thing that... Uh, so Alessio Mortaliti, one of the <laughs> uh, professors at the university, talks a lot about that he thinks... It's, he enjoys studying small mammals and he thinks other people should because he gets to handle them all the time. And if you want to just study wolves, you're just only going to deal with their poop and it's boring. I kind of feel like entomology is kind of a similar situation because, like, mm-hmm. you can handle your hit. I mean, you have to handle these animals oh, yeah. and be around them all the time and see them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there are other parts of entomology that people should really try and get into it if that's if handling wildlife is their goal? Um, yeah, probably. It's yeah. So handling live insects, you probably like you can if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. You know, like, I mean, moth trapping right now, if this was, you know, a night in the middle of July, we'd have moths all over us right right now. Um, So in some areas, you have to be okay with having bugs all over you or being close to bugs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, if you get a tick on you, you can't, like, if you're a, you know, 
an entomologist or something, you don't really freak out. You're just like, oh, cool, a tick. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Um, but yeah, if I mean, if you want to handle wildlife, studying bugs is the best because also you really don't have to look that hard to yeah. find bugs. Like you don't have to track, you know, like tracking a wolf or something. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to find trail of bug scat and have to follow that for you know forever and set up trail cams so hard (laughs) that'd be so hard i I mean you can't like gypsy moths you can find their frass at the base of a tree that's Mm -hmm. infested but their frass um, yeah so like that's that's what we call insect poop oh um we call it frass or like um the remains of food or Mm -hmm. something so like if a wood-boring beetle um is eating a tree there's going to be sawdust everywhere and poop mixed in so we call that frass okay um basically any insect related waste is huh, grass that's cool um, oh yeah huh. yeah it's really cool but yeah if you want to get into entomology you definitely get to handle everything especially like after it's dead i mean that's all you do you right. just sit there look at it under a microscope um you kind of have to get used to looking at insects under a microscope some of them do look a little creepy mm-hmm. but that's that's why i haven't gotten into doing spiders all that much yet yeah. it still freaks me out a little bit um Pinterest. but yeah their chelicery are just yeah. Oh, fangs. <laughs> it's really cool, but I mean, is that yeah. is chelicery the term for fangs on a spider? Yeah, for the most part. Um, so it's insects have uh, mandibles. Yeah. Um, so kind of like their jaws, and then yeah, spiders have what are known as chelicery, um, and they're pretty much like sickle-shaped or fang-shaped jaws, essentially, um, and they go vertically instead of horizontally like most insect okay. jaws. Um, there's a couple other differences, but I'd have to look at a textbook to actually know. But, yeah, they're basically fangs. As I watch this little moth, so there's a moth flying around the panes of, like, the, like, acrylic panes. Uh, so when you go and do, like, in the morning when you open this up, how... Do you have to, like, open it in, like, a concealed space, or is there just, like, a bunch of moths flying around your apartment when you open this up? Um, usually I do it out in the field, like, right when I get here in yeah, the morning. Yeah, and just kind of um, go through it. Yeah, some days, if I'm super motivated, I'll just take the entire thing and throw it in a freezer. Like, when I was a grad student, I had access to the giant freezers in the basement of Deering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just take the entire trap. I would put a tennis ball in the funnel so that, like, every oh, exit yeah. was closed. Um, and just throw the whole thing in the freezer and come back to it later in the day and then sort through it. Yeah. Um, but I did that, like, twice in the summer, and it was, like, hundreds of specimens. Yeah, <laughs> so I bet. It was, it was a lot of work. So I usually just, um, like, I'll sit here at night, and I'll kind of fill up a couple kill jars and, like, vials of things that I like. And then, um, yeah, the next morning I'll come back with a couple more kill jars and vials and catch things as they're flying out and moving around. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, shake them off of the egg cartons that are in there. Um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I just remember during entomology we looked like the weirdest gang on the planet because for lab everyone would have a bug net and their kill jar and we'd just like march across campus to like the gardens or something and we definitely got a lot of weird looks do you ever get used to the weird looks um of doing entomology and that kind of thing a little bit like in my head i look super cool (laughs) like with my with my net and i'm wearing like my cargo pants and like my my field bag my hat's backwards and i'm like yeah i'm gonna go catch some bugs like this is so cool i look so cool right now i know i don't but (laughs) but um yeah Mm. 
yeah you kind of you kind of get used to it I mean it's you know it's the same as everything like this is my passion so mm-hmm. I mean if people want to kind of judge me for getting really into my passion so be it I'm still gonna love it right so yeah um yeah especially like in the mornings too a lot of people like to run so we're like on the in the middle of a path here at Piney Knoll in Orono and um, in the mornings people will kind of come on runs or bikes when I'm looking through the trap and they'll kind of give me weird like side eye looks like what he's what is he doing um but I mean the people that ask what I'm doing or you know sometimes like parents with little kids will ask when I have a bug net like oh Mm -hmm. you're catching butterflies and I'll be like yeah and I pull out a kill jar with you know a morning cloak butterfly in it or something and Mm -hmm. the kids get super pumped about it so that's that's also kind of a fun thing about it I'm gonna stop there all right so um my next question that's been burning in my mind as I've been staring at this light for about an hour now why do bugs like lights why are they coming in hot I took entomology to not be terrified of bugs, and I barely skated by. Um, I called spiders a neuro, so. It's all right. (laughs) Get degrees, my dudes. As your TA, I thought you did fine. (laughs) But, um, no, that's actually a really good question. So, um, a lot of nocturnal insects they like light because they use the moon mainly to navigate um because you know humans aren't supposed to be a thing in the world of a bug they didn't evolve with humans around with our dumb artificial lights so freaking humans um, messing everything up yeah so like i'll use moths as an example um so moths they use the moon to navigate in if you're a diurnal moth or if you're a moth that um, is more keyed into like flower scents, like you know, night blooming flowers or something. You won't come to lights because you don't use the moon to navigate. Um, whereas other moths, they like to keep the moon at a certain angle to their eyes, and that's how they know that they're always going in um, the same direction throughout a night as they're flying. Oh. So when they're flying and there's an artificial light like this UV light, um, they key into it. They think it's the moon, and they try and keep it at the same angle of their eyes, but it's not you know millions of miles away it's like 20 feet away so um that's also why when moths come towards the light they spiral in they don't Uh. come in in a straight line um so then they run into it and they get confused and then they just hang out next to the light because it's like hey i've reached the moon i'm here this is (laughs) this is where i need to be so um it's kind of i mean if you want a different example too it's like baby sea turtles um you know they use like the moon off the water to navigate and mm-hmm. where the ocean is then if you have artificial light they don't know where the ocean is and they get confused and they go the wrong way mm-hmm. um, the same thing happens for moths it happens for aquatic insects um, anything that's active at night which um which is kind of why like i don't know i don't like places like the the mill in old town uses a lot of security lights and like really bright spotlights um I've caught some of the coolest things at those lights, but mm-hmm. they're drawing in insects from the nearby woods and up. I mean, they're right along the river, so everything trying to migrate up the river is getting distracted by those lights. Hmm. Um, so that's actually a really big conservation if, issue. If you want to get into like insect conservation or something as a career, uh, looking into artificial light and how that affects insects is actually really important. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the gist of why insects mm-hmm. are attracted to light. Yeah, that actually brings me into one of my next questions is, what are some of the different avenues of careers in entomology? Like, in my head, all oh, bugs are bugs, and I mean, I know that's not the case, but like, mm-hmm. there, I, there are so many different careers within entomology. Like, one person is not a specialist in every single bug. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but like, I feel yeah. like it's also very hard. Yeah, you, you just have to 
you know, be like Frank Drummond or something and be a genius and be doing it for decades. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you can do, you can go the pest route in, um, you can do, you know, pesticide applications or research or, um, research different pests and their outbreaks and, um, kind of their population dynamics. Um, you can do taxonomy, which is stuff that I'm really interested in, mm-hmm. um, which is just the kind of genetic relationships of insects and where everything fits in um, in relation to other insects and kind of like you know that grand tree of life where everything is mm-hmm. how many species are there who knows nobody knows <laughs> um yeah carla help me out what other what other careers what do you do forest entomology. yeah yeah forest entomology forest health is a big one mm-hmm. um yeah you and jack are probably pretty aware of that one that's yep. that's a huge thing kind of yeah. Rearing insects for human consumption, rearing insects for... Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, human consumption is a fun one. One of my old roommates who was also an entomology grad student, Josh Villazana, um, he I was... Yeah, he was really into entomophagy, it's called, just eating insects. Um, which, depending on how you do it, it's sustainable. If you want to scale it up to, like, manufacturing-type scale, it's probably not sustainable, but what is once you get to that scale? But that's also a cool avenue if anybody at home wants to do research into that yeah yeah oh yeah vector diseases too mm-hmm. um mosquitoes and all that fun stuff that's a good avenue the cdc is always um kind of expanding and getting more into tick research and mosquito research mm-hmm. um all that kind of stuff that's all important so really um yeah entomology has so many different facets forensic entomology too if you like to watch csi or the x files mm-hmm. that's always pretty fun um that's cool. If you study entomology and then you watch bones, you know exactly what Hodges is saying every <laughs> every every time. Important. He talks about bugs. <laughs> he'll, he'll like name drop some random bug family, and you're sitting there like, oh yeah, that's the bug. That's not what they eat, but that's the bug. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's like Kyle whenever he's listening, like watching a movie, they'll have like a random bird sound in the background, and he's like, that oh. bird isn't even in North America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, the bugs get the same way, too. Like, oh, man, like, horror movies? Once you start researching bugs and getting to know bugs, horror movies aren't scary anymore. Because, like, uh, I forget what one it is. I don't know, I kind of like, No, but, like, um, there was, I forget what movie it was, but there was, like, a dead person and a beetle crawled out of their mouth, and it was supposed to be a terrifying, like, a terrifying it's scene. A like rabbit. a yeah, it was a carabid. It was a calisoma. Like one of one of like the gonna eat a gypsy moth. Yeah. Yeah, these ground beetles live as parasitoids and they eat um or like massive predators of slugs and caterpillars in like no way they would be near a dead body. No way. But but I mean they're huge and they run really fast and they're terrifying, so they're in scary movies. Fair, okay. <laughs> oh. Good stuff, but yeah, there's there's a lot to do with entomology, and I mean it's that's kind of why I love studying bugs and getting into bugs as a career because you're never gonna learn everything there mm-hmm. is. I mean, even if you want to just focus on taxonomy, um, I mean, if I stay in Maine and I study bugs in Maine for my entire life, I won't even come close to seeing every insect there is in Maine or you know knowing all of them. So it's kind of you know, I know I can go my entire life and never run out of new bugs to see or new things to learn. Um, so that's also kind of another cool thing about entomology. That's awesome. So we have this moth trap. 
what are some other ways you can go about capturing insects aside from like a butterfly net? Yeah. Um, oh my God, there's so many. So, um, one of the ways is I've gotten more into it this winter, actually. Um, it's called a beet sheet. So you basically have like a, like a white bed sheet, um, kind of attached to sticks and you hold it under a branch and you whack the tree branch with a stick or a dowel or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and that dislodges bugs and they fall into the sheet and then you can suck them up with like an aspirator or, um, something like that. So that's a really good way to catch, um, like small beetles or, um, uh, bark lice or spiders, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. Um, there's the moth light. There's all the aquatic ways to catch bugs. Um, D nets or dip nets. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have drift nets um, that just catch bugs that are floating on the current, and yep. they run into these nets. They're kind of like mist nets, but for bugs. Yeah. Um, so you can do that. There are things called pitfall traps, which I usually just use a solo cup. You dig a hole in the ground, um, fill the cup with either antifreeze, or if you're going to check it every day, you can just do um, water with a drop of soap in it. Um, And insects that crawl on the ground will run into the cup, fall into the cup, and die in the cup, and you could just collect them that way. It's a passive collection method. Mm -hmm. Um, That one's great for ground-dwelling beetles um, and spiders. And if you happen to put it next to an ant nest, it's great for catching thousands of the same species of ant. (laughs) Um, which <laughs> happens too often. Um, yeah, yeah, you can make it cool water. I don't, I still don't know what that was. So water when, color? Yeah. When, yeah. So when I mentioned earlier, Carla and I did that project at May term with the diversity with pitfall traps. Yeah. Um, there was one pitfall trap that the water turned like silvery, like it was shiny. Huh. We have no idea. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. we have no idea why. It, yeah, we think it was maybe like the formic acid. So ants, a lot of ants produce formic acid. Yeah. Um, the family name is Formicidae. Um, so a lot of the, especially like the genus Formica, they all produce formic acid. They're horrible to aspirate. Because mm-hmm. like if you suck them up into your aspirator, they start spraying formic acid as like a defense mechanism. And then you're inhaling it as you suck up more ants. And it's the worst. Uh, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. That was another project Carla and I worked on. But <laughs> Is that how Frank got uh, European fire ant in his throat and got yep. bit? Oh, because yeah. when we were in invasive species class, he mentioned how he got one in his throat. And I wasn't going to ask, but I was just kind yeah. of allowing it to happen. Like, how the hell does that happen? Yeah, there's like a little tiny mesh filter on like the air intake of an aspirator. Uh-huh. And sometimes... Like, some of the bioquip ones, the um, the aspirator will kind of, like, or the filter moves off to the side, or, like, you inhale the filter, and it just falls off, and then bugs come through. Um, I've inhaled a spider oh, once. That was no. a traumatic experience. I took, like, two years off of aspirating after that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, Frank did it with um, fire ants. I think our lab manager, Tamara, did it with a fire ant once. Oh, no. um, but, yeah, that's one of the fears of aspirating. Um, but... Yeah, no, there's a ton of ways to catch bugs, though. Um, really, anyway, like, you can even cut a... I did this one summer, and it was actually super... I mean, it was fruitful, and that's a pun. I'll get to that in a second. And so you can, like, cut a like a liter Coke bottle in half, um, and you can just, like, hang it from a string from a tree branch and put, like, banana in it or something um, and invert the upper side as a funnel, 
so that insects will be attracted to the banana, go into the Coke bottle and be trapped there. And you can catch fruit feeding insects or like fruit flies or yeah. um, some really cool beetles with crazy antenna. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you can put fruit in there and that's why it's fruitful. Oh yeah, that's another way to catch moths. So I mentioned that some moths don't come to lights, um, especially things like underwing moths or other flower feeding moths. Um, they're super pretty, but they're really difficult to find um, because they're more attracted to pollen or nectar than mm -hmm. they are to, you know, moving around by light because they actually feed. Um, so you can make a, a, it's called like moth bait, and it's a mixture of, uh, everyone has their own recipe, but it's like molasses, brown sugar, either beer or rum, mm -hmm. or some kind of alcohol. Um, can I catch uh, a jack that way too, I guess? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah that's delicious, but. <laughs> um, I don't know, do you put anything else in it, Carla? No, I haven't done that. I did it one summer, and it, it worked okay, but every time I did... I'm, like I made it oh and mashed up banana too and yeah you let it ferment for a little bit and it so the moths will be attracted to the scent and they'll be like oh sweet food um and other things like again beetles and any trapping method just insert beetles into it because beetles yeah. are everywhere <laughs> um but yeah so these moths are attracted to this sugar bait and you just paint it with a paintbrush on tree trunks huh. um or like you know the side of your house or something but it stains so I wouldn't do that <laughs> uh, but yeah, and a lot of things like that. And you can just kind of come on, um, come over like either in the middle of the day or at night is probably the best time, and there'll just be a ton of moths feeding on them, and moths that you don't get at lights. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really good way to cover diversity. That's awesome. But Beach sheet. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that one. Do you have any advice for people starting school or getting interested in insects? Um, yeah, just kind of start reading as much as you can and start, I don't know, collecting insects is actually probably, like, if you want to study insects or, like, you're going to school in, with an interest in insects, just start mm -hmm. collecting. Okay. Um, as much as you possibly can, just collect every day, all day. Mm -hmm. That's all you do. Like, don't sleep, don't eat, just collect <laughs> bugs. But, <laughs> um, yeah, because that's, like, the con collecting and being around insects and identifying them especially it helps so much like you'll you'll learn way more keeping your own hobby collection than you ever will in any class that you okay. take on insects um so yeah just kind of seeing bugs up close and working with them and especially so a lot of entomology is dichotomous keys yep. um or just identification keys um you really can't id very many bugs except for like a couple butterflies and moths and you know more charismatic beetles but other than that, you can't really use pictures for mm -hmm. it. Um, you have to go through and look at, like, wing venation and uh, body structures and all that kind of stuff. And that takes so much time to learn and a lot of practice to learn. Um, so getting used to taxonomy and Latin names and organization and all that stuff goes into it. And you can learn all that by collecting and keeping a collection. So that's probably the most important thing. Okay. So because I've never had to do, like, an interview having and like pertaining to insects whatsoever like when i'll have like an interview for like a bird kind of job they'll be like how many birds have you handled or like what kind of experience do you have like banding or that kind of thing what kind of questions do they ask in like an entomology interview kind of thing do you know what i mean uh 
Like, is that a... Is... Do you want this position? Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I've never, never really had, like, an actual, like, entomology-tailored interview. Okay. Um, the ones that I've had are kind of more broad, like, ecology-based or, um, you know, what... You know, like, what experiences have you had with insects and mm-hmm. um, kind of what pests have you dealt with? Um, a lot of jobs will be interested in the pests that you deal with mm-hmm. um, and kind of field work and, you know, hands-on experience with pests. Okay. Um, yeah, sometimes they'll be, like, if you know how to identify your bugs by site or in a lab or something, um, there are always ways you can work that into questions because if it's an entomology-based interview, there'll probably be some form of, you know, what is this insect or, mm-hmm. you know, you know okay. describing insects or that kind of thing. That um, but, yeah, it's it's difficult to find interviews that are really entomology-based. A lot of them are, like, grad school interviews yeah. or something, which that's, you know, that's more about your work history and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's all the questions I have oh, that I yeah. can really think of right now. So, yeah. thank you oh, for... Yeah. Uh, no problem answering those but oh uh also before we leave one myth that i (laughs) i really i'm ready for this i really want to dispel um so everybody listening knows i i mean like i was thinking about this because i i feel like i i said this a couple times like this past week it happens every now and then um so the thing that like daddy long legs are the most poisonous spider on the planet okay one it's not poisonous because you don't eat it. It's, it would be venomous. Um, <laughs> ask a snake person about that. They'll get super mad. Uh, but, uh, um, and two, daddy long legs are not spiders. And, um, My three, entire life's a lie now. But. And three, daddy long legs don't have venom glands either. Um, for the most part, they're actually scavengers, so they have no need for venom glands. Um, and they're not really because they're scavengers most of them actually aren't even predators so they won't they do have fangs um but they won't bite you Mm -hmm. because they're super timid and really chill um so if anybody ever says that oh don't touch that daddy long leg it's the most poisonous spider on the planet but its fangs are just too small to break your skin well i mean its fangs can probably break your skin some of the larger daddy long legs um but it's it's not venomous and it's not a spider so they're opilionis, they're harvest men. So okay. they're they're actually a totally different order than spiders altogether. They're very unrelated to spiders. So they're just living a lie their they entire life. Yeah, a, pretty they much. Don't even have a cephalothorax. They just have no. one body region. Yeah, they have one body region. Yeah. So insects have like a head thorax and abdomen, and spiders have a cephalothorax and an abdomen. Mm-hmm. And opilionis are just like a bead with legs. <laughs> they have one. They're just one an imposter living yeah. a lie. Yeah, they're like a little. They're like a chicken nugget with eyes <laughs> that walk around. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Love a good chicken Sorry. nugget with eyes. Yeah, yeah so. Not as good as yeah. sour sauce. <laughs> yeah, Szechuan sauce. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go to the beginning of the podcast. You'll be ready for it. It's just going to be the little blur. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna be Szechuan sauce and insects. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> all right, guys, so that is all I have for you this week. I hope you really enjoyed sitting down with Chase and I at the Moth Trap. I will post photos on the Instagram of what the Moth Trap looked like and a couple of the little insects that decided to stop by. I hope that this just opened your eyes to another aspect of natural science and wildlife that I just feel like quite often doesn't get enough credit. Insects are a huge part of our world today, and you honestly can't go a day without bumping into one, whether it's a household ladybug in midwinter or a bee that made your honey for your coffee this morning. It's just they, or even just when you walk outside and a fly buzzes right on by you, like it, they are so abundant and I hope that you guys give them a chance and know that they are not all bad and yeah they can be a little scary I don't like when they come at my face we have boundary issues here but I just I think Chase does a great job at just really showing how passionate you can be about these organisms one of my favorite memories of him is when we were in entomology once he was giving a lecture on mosquitoes and chironomids and other aquatic insects and he kind of just like went on this like mad rant and then like kind of like stopped and like sat down next to me he's like how did that go I, I think it kind of blacked out there a little bit I got really excited and it's just I have always thought that it's so easy to learn from people that care about what they do and that has always been a joy to listen to Chase talk about insects because it makes me care a little bit more about them when let's be honest I don't always love bugs but I hope this kind of opened your eyes and made you guys consider something else that you may find interesting. So till next time, I hope you continue to make natural science part of your daily conversation and have a good week, guys. Bye.